0: Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us today is certified financial planner and financial advisor, Megan Bynum of Harvest Wealth Group. Thank you for joining me, Megan. Thank you, Amy. I'm excited to be here. Great. I know our audience is going to get a lot of great things out of today. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, Let's get started with having you share a little bit of your journey with our listeners. How did you get where you are today? (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it started at a very early age, but I'm gonna start at you know high school and, and college and kind of the formal education. Um, and so after graduating high school, I uh, started working and attended MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University. And um, as I was completing um, undergrad and graduate school, I was working two part-time jobs. Uh, now keep in mind, Middle Tennessee State University is the largest university um, in the state of Tennessee. But it's also in my hometown. And so, you know, I I continued on my education right here in the place that I knew and I grew up in. Uh, During undergrad and graduate school, I was working at a local credit union part-time, and I was also working uh, doing administrative tasks in a financial planning office. It was a group of several advisors. And so I kind of learned uh, two different areas of finance at that time, you know, as I was getting my education and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly I wanted to do with my life. After uh, graduating undergrad and graduate school, I decided I wanted to take the Financial planning course, I got licensed and really started working from the ground up. You know, keep in mind, I was 21, 22 years old, uh, licensed and and starting to build that foundation. I value education. And so once I met those um, experience qualifications, I sat for the certified financial planning designation. Back in 2012 is when I actually started my career. And then in 2018 is when I joined Cambridge. And at that point, you know, I, I, there's no looking back. You know, I've, I've only been forward looking at uh, from that point on. And so this year I celebrate 10 years in the industry, uh, which is so incredibly hard to believe. My husband... Wes uh, has a CPA firm uh, here in town, and we've actually just partnered, I guess you could say to tell, celebrate our 10 years, we've partnered under the same roof, uh, serving many of the same individuals, families, clients here in our town. So, But even though I, I, I so value the education piece, the relationships are the enjoyable part, um, it makes our job fun. And so working in the town that I grew up in, you know, I'm taking care of many of the people that took care of me in the in sense. So we have generational relationships with our clients. You know, we experience the successful seasons. We also experience the challenging seasons with our clients. And so within, you know, short periods of time, you know, we'll have a, a grandparent come in, their their children, and then their grandchildren. You know, that just happened uh, in the last that we saw generations of families, you know, come in and be able to serve them. Generational planning is so important as we, you know, I think
0: our industry has been talking about the great generational wealth transfer for so many years. I don't know that all financial planners believe it's ever going to happen and that it's as important as it is because it has been so long, probably 15 years, we've heard about this huge opportunity that was coming. And if you didn't engage with multiple generations, that uh, you may lose those clients, right? But it sounds like you and your organization have managed to come up with a strategy that's going to work.
1: Yes, it's so true. I mean that that type of planning sometimes it's hard to think about. But you know there was there was a week um, back in the fall that we really saw how that works. And um, you know it's something we always talk about, but it's not something we always see day to day. And so it's, sometimes it's hard to wrap our minds around it. But within just a week period of time last fall, we got to celebrate uh, some of the seasons of life that we really enjoy, and then we also grieved with some clients as we saw kind of that transition and seasons of life change. And so, you know, just within a week's time last fall, we saw a couple that has worked, you know, 40 plus years. Uh, they were able to retire and, you know, enter into that new season of life, which was, which was really, really great to see. Um, and then a few days later, you know, I got a, a call from a daughter of a client who her parents were in a car accident and, you know, the dad did not make it and they were grieving and i was grieving with them whenever you know i heard of that news and the bright side of that though is that we had sat down with that family talk with them and plan for, you know, the what ifs in life. And so, you know, the third thing that happened that week was um, I'll end on a positive note, I got a picture uh, from a client welcoming their first grandbaby. So we really do go through all the seasons of life with people and get to celebrate those, those people and those accomplishments, but also get to be there and come alongside them during the, during the seasons of life that uh, we don't always want to talk about. The real key that I see over
0: and over again for those planners that do talk about the uncomfortable uh, life changes that may come is that at the time where they are grieving the most, you do the heavy lifting and you can do that without having to bring them back into focus too much, right? They can think about what they should be thinking about, which is their own family and whatever the circumstances may be. Instead of worrying too much, I mean, there's always I's to dot and T's to cross, but worrying too much at that time about what to do with their financial future.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I love being that person that they feel confident and comfortable picking up the phone and calling, you know, good news, bad news. Otherwise, you know, we're that, we're that person for them and we're that connection, you know, my route to becoming a financial professional, you know, probably wasn't the easiest method. Honestly, I'm not sure that there is an easy method. We talk about that a lot, you know, the barrier to entry into this field, but I've always been up for the challenge and, you know, I'm a stick with it or that trying kind of person, you know? In a sense, I had nothing to lose, you know, after coming out of college rather than working somewhere for. Salary benefits, all those things. I never started with that. So I didn't have to give that up. You know, and looking back now, I kind of wonder is that just ignorance or is that uh, truly a blessing that I started at that point rather than entering later where, you know, you're giving up some of those things during a time that you've got more responsibilities in life? So it was a lot of sacrifice on the front end, but I truly believe if you find something you love, you stick with it. You're honest, you know. Success will find you, and that seems to be more true today than ever before.
0: Let me ask you a question that's a little deeper into perhaps what our listeners who are thinking about our business, if there are any out there, might want to know. There has to be. There's a lot of pros. You've discussed them already: of getting in early and getting staying in your hometown where you know people. There's got to be some challenges to that. So, how does a 21 year old gain the respect and confidence of the generations far above them to entrust you with their financial future? What did you do, if anything? And again, maybe it was just a lot of um, obstacles that you just had to get over. But you know, are there? Are there? Is there any advice you can give people who are thinking about that? Because in some ways, I would suggest maybe. You could even have a better opportunity in some other town where they didn't know you as a five-year-old Megan, right? If there's people that have seen you growing up and they still think of you, I mean, at my age, I still see people who are uh, well into their professional careers and I I think of them as 14 or whatever, right? Because that's, I just watched them grow up. It's really a, a challenge. So.
1: Did, did you experience that at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. I experienced that. You know, and an advisor, or mentor, told me one time, you know, if they changed your diaper, or wiped your nose, they're always going to see you as a young Megan. And so you really have to build that credibility. You know, I I thought the pathway to doing that was to one, get the formal education, uh, which was something that you know was almost like a checklist. I could I could mark this off. And then secondly, you know, if you stick with something, I think uh, if you've got the grit. To do that through some of those challenges, you know, you also build credibility that way. It's it's almost ingrained within me. I'm kind of an old soul. I've always been an older person, you know, almost in a young body. But I did experience those challenges. I picked up the phone. Uh, I can't believe how brave I was, you know, at at 21, you know, to pick up the phone to call the people that I knew and to really just start using the fundamentals that I knew, which were the connections within our community. And so over time, it grew. And I accepted the fact that where I was in life, that I was going to help some of the people that were in the same stage of life with me and then grow with them. And just like we encourage clients to invest and save for their future, you know, I, um, you know, had to really put, put my money where my mouth was and invest in the clients, you know, on the front end to be able to serve them for many, many, many years in the future.
0: Really inspirational. Congratulations on your success. Your website mentions that it was actually eight years old, super early. You said early age, but eight is a really early age that you began learning about hard work and the value of a dollar. Tell us the actual event that triggered you understanding how important it was to save money.
1: You know, it's a funny story. Looking back, I, I was eight years old. I'll kind of paint this picture. I think it'll give you all some details and help understand what my background is and and why I wanted to enter this industry uh, to help people. But at eight years old, I was spending not just summers, but pretty much year-round at the ballpark. I had a brother that was 17 months older than me. And so, you know, it didn't matter if it was, you know, March, July or October, we were at the ball field. One of the things that, you know, I like to do other than playing on the playground and interacting with other children was I wanted to make myself useful. Uh, and during my time there, I remember it was a hot July day, a Steamy, humid Tennessee day, and um, I went and tugged on the sleeve of the gentleman that uh, ran the concession stand, and I said, you know, sir, is there any way that I could work for the next few hours while my brother's playing ball? He kind of looked at me funny, and uh, you know, I said, please, I'll I'll do a good job. I said, so he said, you know, sure, you, you know, I'll give you a shot. I remember, you know, I, that's where that's where I learned not just to serve up, you know, soft drinks and candy bars, but that's where I learned some of the things that is really harder for our younger generations to to learn these days. I counted back money to people. I learned how to interact with the public politely. And, uh, you know, those are things that were ingrained in me. And at, at the young age of eight, I remember that first day I went home and I had earned $10. And uh, $10 was a a lot of money for an eight-year-old back then. And I had to create a plan of, you know, what am I going to do? We're spending all of our time at the ball field. I can really earn some money. I remember... Putting that $10 in a pickle jar and hiding it in my closet Uh, because my brother, 17 months older than me, uh, he had a very different philosophy with money. He had more of a spending plan than a savings plan. So I knew if if he found it, it would burn a hole in his pocket. So, you know, I, I saved that money. And from then on, I came up with a plan that I was going to save half of everything that I made um, and uh, take it to the bank, which, you know, back then, a savings account even earned just, you know, a little bit of interest. Uh, So I would save half of it. And then I would spend half of it for the fun things in life that eight-year-olds spend their money on. So that's really where it all got started. Even though today, you know, we deal with things so much more complex than selling soft drinks and candy bars. But those same fundamentals really do still still apply, uh, you know, with what we do on a day-to-day basis.
0: Acquiring minds want to know if your brother still has the spender habits or did he also along the way learn? Do you find that the two of you are more similar today than you, you were know, when you were funny. young? Um,
1: yes, he has come a long way with lots of training and lots of advice, you know, on the way he has gotten on the uh, the path of the straight and narrow uh, and is on track for financial success. So that's a win in my book.
0: That's absolutely. Uh, I have a sibling that was also a spender when I was a saver when we were young, and I would suggest she's still kind of a spender. Um, She came a little way, maybe not as long as it sounds like your brother did. So you've done a good job. So let's translate that to financial literacy. How important do you think it is? And do you have any strategies that you use to help your clients teach their younger generations about the importance of financial planning and saving?
1: You know, getting started at a young age or any age, we see so many folks that should have, could have, would have started sooner, you know, but getting started young and encouraging people to think about their future really paves the way for them. You know, the habits that we create uh, through financial planning and saving, that discipline can really translate into so many areas of their life. And people today have more information at their fingertips than ever before. And so you think that that's really beneficial, but I think it also creates some challenges for the younger generations that, you know, we so much didn't have growing up. So they've got, you know, just an influx of information coming in, you know, the cost of living is higher now. A lot of people are coming out of um, education with, you know, student loan debt. I think these are things that, challenges that they have, that if we don't, you know, really get in there and understand it with them. We can't help them so much. Once we understand it, we can help them build that solid foundation for their future and really continue to grow. I've always thought if you can really help somebody, you know, they'll they'll stick with you, um, and that's part of you know investing in some of our clients on the front end. Help them see a little bit of that success, and they'll always you know come back for more of that. Getting started soon is something we highly, highly encourage. Great
0: advice. Absolutely. So let's shift gears a little bit. You also serve on Cambridge's Practice Management Advisory Council, as well as our new Century Council. So first of all, thank you for your significant contributions and the willingness to participate uh, running your own business. I'm sure it's not easy to find the time. So uh, we benefit greatly from that. I thank you. But secondly, talk about those roles and that you play on those councils. And why are these types of councils and contributing to them important in your mind when it comes to evolving our industry?
1: Yeah. So getting involved with Cambridge, you know, you really do have a seat at the table within these councils. You know, it gives you insight into what's going on within our industry and at at Cambridge, but it also more than that, it's given me the opportunity to engage with other people and to grow personally and in our practice. So on the, the practice management advisory council, you know, I love that. You know, I love, creating efficiencies, using new technologies, all of those things. And that that council has really helped me do that. Within that council, you know, we talk about the practice management programs that Cambridge offers, you know, specifically the Real Practice Management Program, which I have experienced and um, grew so much, you know, as a person, as an advisor uh, during my time there. But it helps us serving on that council helps us to uh, continue to improve those programs for advisors to evolve it. So that way, people that have maybe experienced it before can continue growing, you know, as an advisor. I'm not sure there's ever that finish line. But the RPM program and the uh, Practice Management Council, I mean, those those have really, really been a great place for insight and to make connections with the people there at the home office. Allie, my RPM coach, is just absolutely wonderful. She's not just a coach to me, she's a friend. And, um, you know, I can't say enough about the practice management team and what they do, you know, day in and day out for their advisors. But the New Century Council I think I've gotten more out of that myself than I've actually given, uh, which I hate to say that, um, you know, but those advisors that serve on the council and the team at Cambridge that leads us, it's so easy to get stuck in the day to day work of what we do. And not think, you know, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. And that's what the New Century Council, you know, helps us do is what do we envision, you know, our industry and what does Cambridge envision for themselves as a broker dealer, you know, five and 10 years down the road. Um, sometimes it almost feels like we're in this hamster wheel of, you know, kind of going in circles about the things that we want to talk about and we want to accomplish, but there is always uh, little tidbits that come out of that, that we can take those, focus on them and really make a difference five and 10 years down the road. So those are both great councils that I've had the opportunity to serve on and, you know, hope to continue to for, for years to come.
0: I love your comment about Allie, who I agree, Cambridge is very blessed to have her. She's great becoming a friend. I think that's one of the significant positives from any of these programs that we probably didn't put enough value to when we were sketching out how they would work or what would come out of them and the benefits that they would give. I've watched over the many years that we've had a lot of these councils, 15, 10, 15 years, Lifelong friendships be created between people at Cambridge from a back office perspective and our financial professionals, but just as important between financial professionals so that you can pick up the phone and call somebody that you met in RPM or on one of the council's when you're faced with something that you'd like to hear from a colleague, from a peer, how they tackled something. And it's been, a, it's been a really, really inspiring thing to watch.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and that goes for all of the people that I've interacted with at the home office. We are not, you know, standing on an island, but we have a whole team of people that we can call. And, you know, I feel like it's up to us to create some of those relationships, you know, but Allie has done a wonderful job at engaging with me and helping me to, you know, grow grow my practice And whenever, um, you know, I'm going through a challenging time, she is always first to say, you know, oh, I know someone else who I can connect you with to help you with that. Uh, So it's not just one person. It is, you know, all the resources that come along with these programs and with those relationships with the home office. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing
0: that. So I know your family has a background in agriculture. Tell our listeners how your experience in the agriculture translates The financial services industry.
1: Yeah, so uh, you may have noticed my tagline is to sow the seeds of the harvest you wish to reap, and that's true in so many aspects of life, whether it be you know money, education, relationships. Um, You know, it takes time and it it takes discipline. My family background, you know, I grew up in a home where you know my mom was a high school chemistry teacher, and uh, my dad worked at a large agriculture cooperative. uh, that provides products and services to the farming industry. They were both very dedicated to their, their careers and, um, that really stuck with me over my youth years and even into my adult years. My mom actually worked in the same classroom for 30 of her 36-year career as an educator. Uh, my dad is still working, uh, but retiring very soon, you know, in agriculture 40 years later. So, you know, I grew up with the um, with uh, the idea and the discipline of, you know, you're not taught to quit, but have true in life. Uh, That was kind of my background growing up. And then my husband's family is a generational farming family in Tennessee, uh, growing row crops. And agriculture, much like we do day to day, There are only so many controllable factors and we have to plan for those droughts in life. We have to plan for those rainy days and it helps us to keep in mind that long-term goal. And even though it sounds cliche, we have to keep the harvest in mind, you know, rather than focusing on the the day-to-day challenges or that instant gratification. Um, You know, we plant the seed today that we want to see many, many years down the road. So agriculture and you know financial planning, some of those fundamentals are you know surprisingly similar. And we use those, you know, with our clients to help them succeed. That explains a lot about the story behind eight-year-old
0: Megan, I have to say, coming from the Midwest and being in Iowa for the last 20 plus years, many similarities exist. Farming is hard work, no matter how you slice it. And work ethic really translates through to anything that lots of those children don't end up carrying on the farming tradition, perhaps. But I don't know, I think it's unusual for younger generations, other than industries like that and a few others, to think about staying in something for 35 or 40 years just doesn't happen anymore. Not good or bad, just doesn't happen.
1: Right, right. It's not something you see very often. Um, there's benefits to it, but I also see why people, you know, maybe bear from that for better opportunities. So Yeah, absolutely. So you're very active in your community, I hear, um, in your local
0: community. Talk about what you've learned and how you use that and where you're involved to help further your business.
1: Yeah, so I I love our community. Obviously, I grew up here, loved it enough to stay here, even after college, and and really uh, serve the community here. Um, But one of those pieces was MTSU, and it's a special place for many reasons. Then the walls of that university, you know, I learned, I dreamed, um, I was supported by some very remarkable people. Uh, there at MTSU, and uh, those professors, you know, still have a special place in my life, and I maintain those relationships beyond, you know, college. Uh, one of those in particular, it's funny to to look back and see how it started, but you know, he he helped me figure out exactly which courses to take, which seems so uh, minor in the grand scheme of things. But he also, you know, helped me chart the course to get to where I am today. And those relationships extend beyond the, the walls of MTSU. And, you know, I maintain those relationships. That professor specifically comes to my son's, you know, birthday parties. They continue to mentor me uh, beyond, you know, my time at MTSU. They did not have a financial planning program at MTSU during that time. But they did have a finance and insurance program that I that i completed and so I was actually over at MTSU uh, for uh, part of their celebration of Financial Literacy Month, and I learned that they are going to be having financial planning courses now and offering that as a minor. So, you know, it's amazing to see and something that I feel like, you know, knowing my background and my life for this community and industry that I should, as uh, am so gracious But I've served on boards there at the university, and I have had the opportunity to speak to some of the students um, there at MTSU. I was over there for Financial Literacy Month, and I spoke to the classes and was on a panel. Our audience were students that were actually interested in the field of financial planning. Um, and so it's important to spark their interest from an early age and to try to avoid some of those barriers to entry you know, that maybe lots of us have experienced. So that's one important you know, piece of the community that I feel there's a lot of value in and, and really giving back to you know, the community that served me. The second community engagement uh, organization I'll talk about is Rutherford Cable. And when I say that, so many people think of, you know, cable, TV, internet, all those things. But Rediver Cable is actually an organization that was formed by a group of women. And their their name, Rutherford Cable, came from, you know, when you think of a cable, um, it is lots of wires, you know, intertwined. It's very difficult to break, and that is, you know, really the organization and the strength of the organization, you know, as it's grown over the years. Is we we come together for monthly, you know, networking opportunities, and we really get to learn what do we do and what do we enjoy doing with with clients and and that's really how we you know, have been able to network and grow and, and all in our business. And so getting started in some of those things you know, at a very early age has helped me to build those relationships with people that are within the community, but also gives us a chance to give back some to the community that we love. So the members
0: are not all in financial services. They're in various different industries. Is that right?
1: They are in lots of different industries. And so when somebody, you know, picks up the phone and calls us and asks, you know, do you know someone who does you know this? We have a great network of trustworthy people who we can refer to. So that's just one organization that, you know, I've gotten involved in, served on the board uh, for many years and uh, has been very, very valuable, you know, to our business.
0: I think a lot of financial professionals maybe don't put enough value on that type of networking, understanding that having the ability to have alliances into other components of your client's life further turns you into the quarterback for their life planning even if it's not your area of expertise and that's a great example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they're the people that you know, when you get together and you get to know them, you don't go into it thinking, you know, how can I get referrals out of this, but how can we really build these relationships? Over time, they really do become your team of people and that's always always great to have.
0: That's great. So thank you for sharing that.
1: So Another one of my favorite
0: parts of my podcast, usually nearing the end, unfortunately, is hearing about what you do in your free time outside of work, hobbies and interests. You mentioned a son. Um, Tell us about your family and, you know, where where do you Put your focus when you're not taking care of your
1: clients. Yeah. So although I love what I do on a daily basis, I also you know love the, my family and the flexibility that you know this this path and this career gives you uh, to spend time and enjoy lifestyle too. And so uh, my husband, Wes, like I mentioned, we're under the same roof. Um, he has a CPA firm, and we've been married for ten years. But we've got a two-year-old son named Lawson, and uh, he is. A a true joy. He has more energy than I can even begin to explain, and so uh, he keeps us busy. We enjoy lots of time at the farm. Um, he is all about tractors and ju-choos. so uh, we we spend quite a bit of our downtime there. Um, we also enjoy going uh, to the beach several times a year. So, luckily in Tennessee, we're a short flight or you know day drive down to the Gulf, and we we enjoy time there at Rosemary Beach. So aside from family and travels, you know, where do I spend my extra 30 minutes to an hour during the day? Uh, usually you'll find me on my Peloton bike. Um, so, you know, that's something that... I think came along with a pandemic and a child, you know, something that I enjoyed, you know, for so long since I was in middle school was running, not to take us back to where my, you know, career started, but, you know, running taught me endurance, not just in the sport, but also, you know, in in a career. And um, it's something that I love, but I just don't have the time for anymore.
0: It's really good that you're making sure you find the balance uh, and including a little bit of me time into your life, because I do think that tends to take a backseat from careers and family. So congratulations on being able to do all of that. Megan, this has been great. It's been great to hear your story. Thank you for sharing it with the listeners. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, We have a little bit in common considering we both started, I often say, as babies uh, in this industry. And it's inspiring, I think, for some of our listeners to hear because people often assume finance degrees lead to Wall Street. And you've just given our listeners a lot of great examples of giving back and serving local community instead of taking nothing good or bad about either of these directions for sure, but taking a slightly different direction than I think many think is available in our industry. Uh, So thank you for being so inspiring. And congratulations on 10 years in the business. And I think I just heard marriage all at the same time. So boy, did you have a big year 10 years ago?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, and it, it gets better every day.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sure it does. It, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it gets better or we just get more used to juggling all of the things that one must juggle when you're doing that.
1: Yeah. You know, I I think so too. And, you know, when you're 21 years old, you kind of want to be on the fast track and, you know, 10 years in, I look back now and think there's so many aspects that, you know, once you slow down, really get to um, enjoy, this is a great career path. And, um, and that's why I love it. It really becomes part of your life. It's not a job. It's something that you get to love to do every day. Your passion is
0: evident, and you're a great example of Cambridge Stronger. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app.